Welcome to Soul Practice, a podcast featuring raw conversations about our crazy world and real practices that keep us grounded deep in our souls. Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices is hosted by Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis. Okay, so here we are. I'm Kathy Escobar. I'm Phyllis Mathis. And these are Raw Conversations and Real Practices. Uh, Phyllis and I just really riffing off the things that we talk about when we are on our walks um, every Monday, but then in other places. I mean, we don't only see each other on Mondays. Um, And that's a lot of our work is centered on in different ways, even if it's not overtly a lot of the things that we talk about come up in the things that we do. And so in thinking about the conversation last week on women, uh, we were like, we need to talk about men, but we're not men. But we're not um, men. And so just know that. Although I sometimes wonder if I was a man in a different, <laughs> in a former life. Why do you think that? I don't know. Because sometimes I think I think like a man. Um well, this is a great example that there's yeah. actually like <laughs> this is part of the bummer. It's yeah. like so stereotyped. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like a piece of it, which is kind of what I think would be good for the conversation today is to understand that while women are in a bind and trying to find their way forward, um, I am not going to prop up men and all of the benefit, privilege, advantage, all the things that you guys have. (laughs) Okay. But I'm going to say you're in a bind too. Yeah. And that patriarchy has been bad for your soul too. Yes. And that this sometimes does get missed in the conversation. Yeah. Um, And there's just so many things to say about it. I, I think it's really important to acknowledge that we talk about the patriarchy, but the truth is we're talking about power systems and how historically at least white European descendants, you know, have um, come from serfdom. I mean, we come from brutal beginnings where people with means and power lord it over other people who don't. And the class system and the power system and the privilege system and the servanthood system was all manufactured I don't know, maybe from the beginning of time even, but certainly in, in my, um, my heritage as a, as a white Western European descendant, uh, if you look at the history, it's all been about acquisition and power and lording it over and privilege, privilege of monarchy, uh, privilege of land ownership, privilege of, um, you know, lording it over the peasantry and all of that. (laughs) So um, I just want to say at the outset that, yeah, a lot of those systems were run by men, but um, it doesn't make it, um, there's only just a privileged few who get to benefit. And even then, it's like our souls die a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, at at what cost. I remember Jesus, you know, Jesus saying, um, what did he say? <laughs> you gain the so whole, some, you gain the whole world, world and lose your soul. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, some of the rot in our society is a little bit like that. We're just all chasing stuff out of fear and need for power. And power is a 
basic human um, drive that we feel scarcity like mad and we need to compare ourselves to other people. We need to go uh, compete with each other and we need to get on the top of the heap as fast as we can. And it just makes for a really bad, unhealthy, icky society, uh, especially for those who are who don't benefit from it. But even those who do are, are kind of have a bad time of it. Yeah. So um, when we're talking about the world of men, and it'll be interesting to see where we go with this. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going to go. Um, it's not one big block of people. Um, there are individual people, individual um, men who have to grow up in a society that's ruled by these weird rules in this trade-off between privilege and power versus what do I have to, have to give up to get there? Um, so we want to explore that a little bit today. Yeah, it makes me think, so we came from we came from Christian systems. Now I was not raised in a Christian system. And so I became, and you weren't, you weren't really. Not either. really. I no. was sent to Sunday school, but I didn't really. Bother. Yeah. It wasn't like part of the it culture. Of yeah. Family. So for either one of us, we weren't raised in that. But when I went in, I kind of went all in. Um, and then I went all out. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but with some remnants. And so one of the things that I do want to say is that, the movements in some Christian movements like promise keepers. And then there was, I can't remember his name right now, John Eldridge. Yeah. The wild at heart, wild at heart being, guy. and I actually liked wild at heart for me. And then I hated the captivating book. Oh my his God. Wife wrote. I want to ah, it makes me sick. I feel like allergy oh. right now, like ah. an allergic reaction, ah. but yeah. it's so gross. And I actually threw the book away. A lot of those books, literally, I did not donate. I throw them in the trash, okay, because I don't want anybody else to get them. But the dilemma is all of these things that are trying to um, basically do the same thing to men that women receive with a different twist. And that is uh, that, you know, certain men lead the church I used to work at. I mean, this is the, one of the most painful parts is to watch this misogynist or authoritarian patriarchal leader just always tell people what thousands and thousands and thousands of people, what biblical manhood is and that yeah. kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, so it's embedded in, um, a lot of Christian systems that men lead and, you know, they need to be the head of their family and, and then women, you know, have the dilemma. It's like, well, I, I kind of have ideas too, but I need to put them down. And then, and then, so really what it is, is then there's all this pressure on men. Yeah. And, um, so, and I think then trying to figure it out and so some of the same dilemmas of just not falling short not providing for family properly not leaving you know not being enough and so fighting for it and I am needing to fight for it to measure up to something and I know that you know lots of men aren't from Christian systems but watching that and seeing women honestly go, oh my gosh, this is the great white hope that my husband will go to Promise Keepers. Oh my gosh, it's not like the greatest thing ever. And then, and then really actually just having it be like so many other things that are this addiction to inspiration kind of stuff. And it doesn't really translate. Yeah. 
because it's a setup for something that, in my opinion, has just been a destructive system from the beginning. Yeah. I think it strips, whenever we're playing to power, power systems, it really does strip us from, from our humanity mm-hmm. because we end up playing roles that are uh, less than our whole being. And we do these prescripted roles in inside of our families and inside of our workplace and inside of the work that we do in the world. That is just a little piece of who we are because we're not fully showing up. We're playing roles. And when and it it gets a little disingenuous after a while. Um, and we're we're symbolizing something that we're really longing for, which is a full expression of our whole humanity. Mm. Um, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about this podcast I am in the middle of listening to. So it's it's sort of a, I'll give a shout out to the podcast Seen on Radio. Oh yeah, with John Bewin and the mm-hmm. um, Center for Documentary Studies. So good. Um, he did. He's done a whole series on men. And mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of it. And I have to say, I got stopped in my tracks listening to one episode about um, a friend of his who had a son who had a complete personality change when he went into sixth grade in middle school. And that um, the dad of this kid witnessed his son, who was this warm, fully, fully emotional, fully connected um boy turn into a little jerk <laughs> in the in three weeks yeah. three weeks of sixth grade and the kid was articulate enough and insightful enough to explain what it was like for him to reach that point in his life um in within his peers and the pressure and the policing that was done in his little sixth grade school um to teach him how he was supposed to be mm. and how anything that he cared about was, was uh, he was called a woman. Mm. Um, anything that he got passionate about at all was ridiculed and it was brutal. Yeah. Those first few weeks of sixth grade when his peers were trying to teach him what is being a cool dude and what is being a girly woman. Mm. Um, or gay, or, you know, the, the brutality and the bullying that's around protecting this idea of masculinity or what it means to be a, a real man or a real boy um, became so distorted that it dehumanized him. And um, the idea that that so many of the men that we live with now were taught to cut off and deny the half of their humanness in order not to be bullied and in order to survive the the social pressure of being a guy in the US it is really eye opening and like i said it stopped me in my tracks listening to that one episode of what it's like to be a boy growing up in america mm. so um it does take a toll. These old ideas of being strong, being a leader, being competitive, being the winner, being the best, being the strongest, being the smartest, being, you know, all of these things, um, or else 
you're something horrible, like being a woman <laughs> or less than a man. Um, these are pressures that we don't talk about very much. And it's, um, it is a, a product of this zero sum game that we try to play the pieces of the pie, these, these, um, structures of power that are based on scarcity and competition. And so, um, if you're in the privileged position of being a a boy, or I would say, um, a heterosexual boy, um, that grows up to be a man, then you've got a certain amount of privilege and power. It's true, just given to you or just assumed. But on the other hand, what did you have to get up, get, give up in order to, to do that? And what about the males who were not able to give that up sufficiently? So yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I'll let you talk now. <laughs> well, no, it's super important. And it makes me think of my gay friends and just the reality of like what they experience in being who they really truly are in a world that is dominated and um, violent and bullying and rotten and has a thing about what men are. And um, is so homophobic, and you know all the things. I don't. When you were talking, and I think both conversations and are that we had on women and now on men is just what the biggest thing and makes is the the binariness yeah. is the problem. The this this binary world sucks. Yeah, and it's harmful. Because it's not whole and it's not integrated. It's not nuanced in any way. No. And so uh, last Christmas, I wrote a post called I'm Dreaming of a Non-Binary World. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I am. And the world is becoming more non-binary in a good way. And, you know, I'm not just talking about sexuality. It's like all parts of everything are starting to break out. But the world is built on binaries. Mm -hmm. And so that's hierarchy, patriarchy, systemic, you know, all the things that were built were built on um, that methodology. Because it's easier. It is easier. It's clearer. And and there's lots of people. I mean, I know this. This is like super heretical. And, you know, we're like breaking up the family and God's way of everything and all that. And I just say bullshit. And so um, that's just your interpretation of it. And it's scary. It's threatening. It threatens our, yeah. And it is threatening. And it's it's disorienting. And it really makes me think of so many men that I've known as leaders. Again, because I came from kind of church world in um, lots of ways. But um, I wasn't. I do want to say this. My master's degree is in management and organizational development. I got my master's degree before I got married. Like I finished my last class right after I got married. So um, I went to college was a big deal. My mom was a single mom. I did college and then I went, I got a job and an accelerated management program at the phone company. <laughs> now it's not even, it doesn't even exist because they broke it up with antitrust stuff, but, um, and they paid for my master's degree. So I was a young woman in a master's degree program with some really interesting people who were really like the next like youngest, oldest person to me was 10 years older. Mm. And there were women in there and they were amazing thinkers because it was organizational development system stuff. Um, but I mean, 
literally in my job, my boss like sat me down when I was getting married. This is, I documented it, but I didn't know what to do with it. But said, just so you know, you're going to have to choose between your, your career or getting married because my husband was a pilot in the Navy and he lived in another state. And so there like, wasn't any option that you're going to have to choose. Like that's a piece of choosing. Like he literally told me this. Wow. And, um, so anyway, I just want to say it was a long story. I document, I ended up leaving and I regret leaving, honestly, because I did give some of that up because it was complicated for me to have that job. We would have had to do long distance and everything, but I was going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And Jose actually thought, my husband thought he was going to be a stay at home person that like got supported by me. Ha ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, I know. And this is a Christian thing. It kind of screwed it up. So anyway, and that's okay. It's probably straight. It was a long way around to say that I have seen these men that I really respect as pastors and as leaders. They are good humans, but they're super humble. They're super not loud, not super charismatic, not hip and cool. And they have literally made it nowhere. Mm. in terms of like truly getting what they deserve. Okay. Because the systems don't want people like that Mm -hmm. at the top. Mm. They want them in lower levels. And so I have seen that happen. And then I have seen them lose their churches to powerful, charismatic, playing by that sort of binary authoritarian kick ass and take names, you know, kind of, um, Jesus, but just kind of, I mean, take Jesus, I, that part. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Powerful beat up people. Jesus. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Violent Jesus, gun toting Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I, I just want to honor that. Like, it's kind of, it's different because you do men have so much more privilege and they've gotten so much further. I mean, than women have in some of these systems, but it kind of sucks for them too, because the sensitive, um, creative, non-binary, relational relational people don't rise in so many of the systems. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it does suck. And I'm just, as you were talking, I was thinking about all of the, all of the relationships with men that I have right now. And they're all in, in the category of smart, sensitive, relational, articulate, soulful, creative humans. And I adore them. I adore them. But I think it's very hard to be who they are Mm -hmm. in a system that doesn't value that um and so growing up as that kind of a person and being a a man and trying to figure out what it means to be a man and be yourself in a society that's so screwed up um that it's just confusing to live in Mm -hmm. um so i i don't know where i'm just sort of like talking (laughs) well no uh, because finishing my sentence (laughs) Well, and I think probably, I mean, maybe why we're struggling, we should, we're not men, 
Yeah. And so, um, and I will just say this just about the podcast in general is that we do in season two want to bring some different voices into the conversation with us, but, um, you know, this is simple and we, this is part of our, this is our jam. There's lots of other things out there that people can access. This is us, but this is maybe one where, um, I, I do know just in, I have a lot of male friends mm-hmm. and, um, and across everything, gay, straight and everything in between rich, poor. Um, and the, the when we're really all super honest, like at our human level, we really all struggle with the same things. Mm-hmm. And so, but because of the pressure that men feel and working in a straight male, certain kind of, you Restricted know, yes. And then the dilemmas that women feel living in their same constrictions that um, we're just not free and then we're missing so much of the other parts of us. Yeah. And then we're also missing what happens together. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and that's that's something for me. You know, I, I don't want it to be just one or the other. I don't want the world to, um, you know, I kind of say like the future is female. And I do think that female um, voice and wisdom is needed in the future. I think non-binaryism in all levels of everything that he our, our shared common experience across all the letters mm-hmm. and not having that be the minority or like against the norm, but just part of the norm because they're like all the letters, you know, are all lined up and we all are somehow expressed in there. I think that's the, the big dream but I think that it's really hard in practice to do it. Well, don't, don't you think it's like playing the roles that are prescribed for us um, means that we have to pick and choose the, the richness of our humanity and favor only certain things to fit into the roles we're supposed to play. So we, we don't develop other, uh, uh, certain things or we deny different parts of ourselves in order to play the role so we don't get left out or survival. Yeah, it's about survival. So the thing that I like about all of the ideas of non-binary thinking um, and not just in gender or sexuality, but also in spirituality and in just being human is that um, the breadth and exquisite creativity and diversity in human beings in general. Um, That's what we have to gain Mm. is an appreciation for what humans are and what they can do and how they can feel and what they can create and conversations that we can have. But right now we're in such a, we're in such a trans transitional period where all of these things are being blown up mm-hmm. and um, so quickly and our culture is shifting and our consciousness is shifting so fast that it, the swirl kind of is threatening a little bit. It's a little bit scary to know what's going to happen, you know, dogs and cats yeah. living together, <laughs> things like that. You know, people get really threatened uh, because we're leaving those old 
thoughts behind. And it's true. We don't know where it's going. Yeah. We don't. We yeah. haven't been here before. Yes. So um, it will be messy and confusing. Sexuality, partnerships, marriages, family, child rearing, um, sexual identity, gender identity, clothing, you know, yeah. music, art, um, all of these things are going to be going to be birthed um, outside of these old ways we think about about gender, about norms, about roles, and about of traditional ways that society has held itself together. They're kind of crumbling right now. And so it threatens us. It threatens uh, them, threatens the structures. That's one thing. And it's hard to stop and think then. So how do I think of myself? Mm -hmm. How do I listen to what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I value who I am and what, how have I been hiding or playing a role or not um, not having the courage to step out or not even have the courage to um, imagine things because we've been living in the boxes of the prescribed roles that we've been wanting to play all these years. So, But it makes me think why this is such a good conversation and why the soul work is so important. Yeah. And then the practicing and really like moving out of trying to figure it out and embody some things why they're just crucial here. Yeah. Is that it is listening and getting into that deeper place and being who we really are and just smashing these binaries, smashing the boxes, but also embracing the unique and beautiful characteristics across the whole spectrum of humanity. And so I have to say, when you were talking, it kind of makes me excited about the future, but I have um, empathy for how hard it is to get there and how rattling and how confusing and how like just uncomfortable and kind of itchy it feels because it's new. And, um, and this is why the teachers of the future are non-binary people Mm, yeah because they know how to live out of that new place and break those boundaries and um and at the cost of it and their cost has been great terrible and that to acknowledge that but to also to say those are the voices that we can learn more and more from And one of the reasons why they need to be elevated and we have to be humble learners because they do know more. My son, Jared, who died, was a non-binary person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he was, he teaches us so much and some of it, like I just didn't get and some I did, but I, it's like at a really deep base level that is like an example of the future that I know is better, Mm -hmm. but it was part of how hard it was to live in this world. Yeah. 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 It's hard to imagine something that has not yet been okay, Mm -hmm. but to feel it in your own soul and in your own body um, that I don't fit here. I don't fit there. I don't, I'm different than that. I can't, I can't do what I need to do to fit in. Um, 
that's a hard place to be as an individual yeah. in any situation. And my guess is that a lot of men listening go, oh my gosh, that's me. I don't yeah. fit in. And it sucks. Yeah. It's been really hard and it's exhausting. And it's tiring and it's lonely and it's sad. And I am missing connection that I want, you know? So my guess is what you just said kind of nails it. Yeah. To be, um, to be a man in this world and to have to play the, the man games, um, but to be a whole different, you know, aspect of yourself at the same time um, and what you have to give up. I'm just thinking of some specific um, men that I've worked with who are just magnificent souls who have had to kind of fit into the societal role and sort of nurture this part of themselves on the down low, you know, and this is just being a straight male for the most part. Um, and in all respect and love to the men who have had to figure that out around their core identity, their sexual identity and their gender identity. So, I think that we've we've created this construct of of maleness that isn't doing anybody any good, mm. and it's um, part of the structures of power that we are all living under and um, suffering from at this point. And I think that um, big transformations are starting to happen, and it's just getting really messy yeah. in the transition <laughs> like it always does yeah and it's a good thing it's messy and tangled up and it's so weird and it's so good yeah. um okay so we're wrapping up each episode with just we really like, don't know very much about men do we we really don't you can see we're a little lost <laughs> we kind of um, went down the rabbit hole different places. i just like to rail against you and i don't mean to no and i guess i do want to say that if i don't mean to i am not I'm railing against a system, yeah, system that has harmed all of us. And I am railing against unaware men. Yeah. And so I am. And that are just not like doing some of the work that would help the world. Yeah. Because In of the, the power. Basic ways. Yes. <laughs> because of the power that they hold. And so, but, you know, I love men and I am married to an amazing one and I have four amazing sons. And so I, um, I, that gets misconstrued. I work with incredible guys that I am so grateful for. I mean, they're amazing and we are teammates and friends and brothers and sisters and in the trenches. So I, I really, um, I always want to emphasize that. But we all need to do better here. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we all need to do better. And that's a piece of it. And so help us with what's something in our soul that can help us do better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My voice kind of sitting here going, oh, well, that was really good. Oh, wait, I have to come up with something now. It's hard. Just so you know, these are hard questions that we don't think of them in, in advance. Better. Okay. So to, um, to remember, again, when you come back to your soul, that there is an essence there that doesn't conform to the norms that we create. So there's untold potential and unexplored um, identity and expression of who we are there. And to um, when you come back home to your own body and your own self, um, remember that who we allow ourselves to be in the world is just a tiny fraction of 
what could be Mm. and um, to become more aware of the games we're playing and the, uh, the uh, roles we're playing and to let go of them and to listen to the way your soul might already be asking you to move in a way that we just dismissed before it ever got to be an idea because it didn't fit in to um, the systems that we live in. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it because it's all like we just kind of, I hear you always talking, just like coming back to this, coming back to our soul. And I think on the practice side, I mean, one thing Phyllis mentioned it, and I do want to say this is a good practice to listen to that scene on radio um, season. Jose and I listened to the whole thing. We listened to all of them, except for this. We're still in a couple more episodes on the democracy one. But the anti-racism or the the, um, racism one was really good, too, that season. It was one of the best. That along with 1619 were like two of the most formative things that I listened to um, in that conversation. But on this one, I think that men um, uh, conversation there was it's really worth listening to all those episodes about the roots of patriarchy and the things that got in there. This episode with this kid. There's so many things that are just really good. Um, But on a super practical level, and I wouldn't have thought of this till this conversation. It's why I like to do this because it spurs new things. This is a practice for me is to practice thinking more non-binary. And so instead of saying this is a a man thing or a woman thing, this is a human thing. And to notice how often we default that either way and what it's not bad that those attributes might be found in people and be tilted in a certain direction but the limitation when we use it we're limiting it and so if we could practice just thinking about attributes and qualities and things that we long for and long to lean into and celebrating in ourselves of thinking them as beautiful human characteristics versus male or female um characteristics I think it might be really good for us yeah and probably tricky yeah uh to even think that way but um that's that's why it's practicing that we have to keep practicing it and it probably will in the end help us expand and break some of these boxes that are not good for any humans I like it all right so thanks for listening Escobar and Phyllis Mathis write, speak, pastor, and counsel, and are dedicated to creating spaces that foster healing and change. You can learn more at kathyescobar.com and phyllismathis.com. Keep listening to your soul and keep practicing.